Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 5th, 2021, the WandaVision finale day. It has been 141 days since 20 <laughs> nominations were announced. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Our intro keeps getting longer and longer. Well, I mean, it, it's a holiday. It is a holiday <laughs> okay, today. I normally sure. bring out the holidays. If you are listening to this on our regular feed, that means I have already watched the WandaVision well, finale. Because by the time it hits the regular feed by 7.55, I will have seen it. Um, Grace and I are planning to record um, a special Patreon show, but she is trekking back to uh, Georgia um, over the weekend. So it's not going to be over the weekend, but we will um, get that in the feeds when we are able to coordinate schedules next week. If you want to hear that, as we said, it will be Patreon only. So head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Ashley, as always, the dastardly Baz Bama boy said, hey, Matt, I know you've already <laughs> written your script, but here's a big old bomb that I'm going to throw into everything that you've already written, because last night he tweeted out some big, big, exciting news, and that was that not only will a Broadway revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson be coming to the Great White Way in 2022, but that there will also be a film version using the exact same cast of that show. And what's interesting about it is we have Latanya Richardson Jackson making her Broadway directorial debut leading this company and her husband, a young upstart named Samuel L. Jackson, um, oh, will be uh, starring in it. Never heard of him. I hope he. I, uh, I hope he can live up to uh, his wife's directorial skills. Yeah. Um, he will be joined by the always fantastic Danielle Brooks and John David Washington, who is not only a former player in the National Football League, but the son of one Denzel Washington, who obviously knows quite a bit about how to do August Wilson both on stage and on screen. So Latanya Richardson Jackson is going to be directing the Broadway version. However, a different director and Baz uh, clearly states it will not be Barry Jenkins will be taking that same cast um, for the third Wilson title to be filmed following Fences and obviously Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, to me, it has to be Denzel because you're going from Latanya Richardson Jackson directing her husband, then you have to have Denzel directing his son. Like, I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah. un- unless Danielle Everywhere. Brooks has some sort of film director in her family as well, maybe Make she's all related a to. Affair. Yeah, to, to Mel Brooks. I don't know if, if she's yeah, related to sure, him. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but this is super exciting. And what's cool about this is um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson made his Broadway debut as an understudy in 1990s production of The Piano Lesson. Ooh, uh, I love that. Yeah. So it's kind of a very cool full circle moment. Um, of course, uh, LaTanya Richardson Jackson, who... 
um, was most recently seen in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. She also yeah. made her Broadway debut in an August Wilson play. That was in the 2009 production of Joe Turner's Come and Gone. Um, this will be Danielle Brooks' first Broadway play. Of course, she m- made a huge splash with the Shakespeare in the Park production of Much Ado yeah, About Nothing, yeah. which was then eventually, um, filmed for PBS. Um, and then this will be, yeah, this will be the first major, um, stage role for, uh, John David Washington, but he has been building up quite a career, uh, in recent years, starting with, uh, the Black Klansman and then Tenant. And then he did the, uh, Malcolm and Marie movie with Zendaya. And he's got a movie called Monster and another one called Beckett coming out this year as well. Excellent. He is, yeah. He is a, uh, starting to pick up a lot of awards and given, given his bloodline, I, I'm not surprised in the least. Both him him and how is it pronounced? Samuel L. Jackson? I I think it's Samuel. I think the U is emphasized, but I'm not sure yet. I'll have to look it up. They both have promising careers ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, they're fine. We'll see. Um, (laughs) But this is great. Like, look, we talk about um, the August Wilson catalog a lot because especially when it's been in the news with – uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think this yeah. is awesome. I have never seen a production of any August Wilson show that I was not blown away know, by. Bull- yeah, bowled yeah. over by. Like it's it's just such incredibly specific and yet universal writing that um, if you can put together a group of artists who understand how that specific dialogue works. Um, I think you're going right. to be very successful. And it sh- certainly sounds like this group will be able to do just that. For sure. And I mean, speaking of Denzel, like who's been so committed to adapting or, you know, all of August Wilson's plays. And we've been talking about them a lot over the last God, starting with Fences. So however many years that was, three years ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, th- these are clearly people who are committed, not only understand his work, but committed to bringing that work to more eyes, which is always very exciting. All right, Ashley, we are both very, very excited to um, see that. And I'm just going off the top of my head, but I would not be surprised if there are um, audio versions of August Wilson plays somewhere mm-hmm. deep in the uh, collections of audible.com. Wow, so let's take what a segue. I do what I can. Um, <laughs> we will take a real quick break here real quick to talk about our sponsor, audible.com. That's right. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment, including the largest selection of audiobooks of every genre, binge-worthy podcasts, meditation and fitness tracks, music, and of course, theater, which as you said, hopefully there's some August Wilson deep in those catalog that catalog as an audible member you will get one credit every month which you can trade in for any title in the catalog the only thing exempt is anything in their new plus catalog because that stuff just comes to you free as a member that includes those podcasts albums fitness tracks and more For everything, you can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere, and you can use your credits right away or keep them for up to a year. Don't like what you're listening to? You can just go ahead and swap it for something better that is more your style. That's awesome. And there is so much theater on here. I talked about the audiobooks with Grace earlier this week, but I want to make sure I get through 
some of the other really exciting productions um, from a theatrical standpoint that are in here. There is an audio version of Ayad Akhtar's Junk, which was on Broadway just a few years ago. Um, La Liaison d'Angerou, there's a um, an audio recording of the Donmar Warehouse production that had Dominic West and Janet McTeer, amongst others. There's a um, L.A. Theater Works production of The Mountaintop by Katori Hall, which stars Larry Powell as the role that Samuel L. Jackson uh, created on Broadway of uh, Martin Luther King. And then the other role is played by someone who I mentioned uh, in a previous audible thing, the great Asia Naomi King, um, whom I love uh, Ooh, very deeply. Yep. Then there is a L.A. Theater, work, uh, theater Works production of The Mother with a Hat, um, uh, starring many members of the original Broadway production, including Bobby Cannavale and Chris Rock. Um, then you've got other things like Stick Fly, which uh, stars Justine Bateman and Dulé Hill. Um, just so much stuff in there that it is a must-have for theater folks who are jonesing to get their theater their theater fix on. I honestly didn't know the mother in the hat was on there. That's really exciting. Yeah, I love especially that with show. Bobby and Chris yeah. who did it on Broadway. Oh, very exciting. So if you're as excited about that as I am, to start your 30-day free trial, visit audible.com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500-500. Again, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500-500 to start your 30-day free trial. You should do it. Really, do it. Do, do it. it. Do, do it. it. Do it. Do it. I'm going to keep doing it. Saying do it until you do it. <laughs> You're going to just do keep it. doing do the doing do it. it. All right, Ashley, let's get back into the news. And yesterday, the Mighty Actors Equity Association released a statement in response to New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's open culture program. Now, this is different than the pop-up performances that you and Grace talked about yesterday that would allow small mm-hmm. audiences in Broadway and off-Broadway houses to see shows and concerts, yada, yada, yada. What this is, is the plan to allow producers and organizations to apply for a permit to close down a section of New York City street and to hold an outdoor performance at a discounted rate. Applications opened on Monday, and the program will run through October 31st. Now, Equity is warning members that these performances are not approved for work in terms of like a blanket for all of them because they quote, do not meet equity's minimum standards for wages or COVID-19 safety. Um, that applies to these things on mass, but presumably individual productions could, um, meet these standards, but on a case by case basis. So if members are offered work in one of the productions, they need to contact their business representative. Amongst the concerns that AEA has with the city permit process, um, is that it does not require producers to quote, pay a living wage, have workers' comp insurance, require COVID testing, require performers to be socially distanced, and a few other items. Since these permits allow producers to sell tickets and to solicit donations, Equity says that it is quote, disappointing and unfair to the arts workers in our city. It is especially concerning that the city has put forward a plan that does not ensure a safe workplace for workers. I don't disagree with that, Ashley, but here's sure. here's my question. If the city has put together all of these other eligibility requirements and processes for organizations to apply for permits, 
where the hell was Equity during the process of this being put mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. Equity might not be the biggest union in the city, but it sure is a pretty important one. And I would imagine that they should be able to get a seat at the table when an arts program is being discussed. And if they can't get their voice heard during these conversations, then something is wrong. Um, if they can't effectively advocate and lobby for their members, then quite frankly, they're just stealing dues from folks who have been out of work for the past 12 months. Um, I saw some a lot of discussion about this on Twitter, including Matt Redman, who is the owner of DGRW Talent Agency. He tweeted, quote, One year into a pandemic that has decimated the arts industry, actors should not have to report to their union to find out if working conditions on a possible opportunity are safe. The union should be working with the city to ensure precautions are safe to bring art back to NYC. I'm really at a loss as to what Equity is doing for its members right now, Ashley. Of course, no one wants a COVID-era version of, like, the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. Like, I completely support all unions flexing their collective bargaining power to make working conditions safe for their members. But the vast majority of stuff that we've heard from AEA during the past year, and granted, we aren't members, so we don't hear everything. But the stuff we've heard publicly has been about how they are preventing their members from working. And again, not a member. But man, that's got to be frustrating to the folks who are, Ashley. Yeah, I, this is a lose-lose situation because obviously if the city is not putting things in place that are keeping workers safe, that's bad. <laughs> and if equity is not doing yes. anything to you know, ensure any kind of consistency amongst these different kind of productions or you know, performances of any kind – also bad. The thing that I kept thinking of as you were talking is when I interviewed Alan Filderman about Berkshire's Godspell back whatever month that was, because time doesn't matter anymore. But just talking about like having to put that on going back and forth with equity and how every single decision that they did had to be approved by equity. Yeah. So any new choreography, <laughs> you know, any anything <sighs> to keep workers safe, which makes sense. Uh, so why does it seem like for that one production, they were more hands on than this entire citywide process? It's just infuriating. And if it, if the answer for that is, is that New York City just doesn't want to deal with equity, that's a problem for equity. And that it might be yeah, that the, yeah. the New York City administration folks are a bunch of jerks. But guess what? They're the jerks with power. And if you're equity, you've got to find a way to get yourself in that room so that you can advocate for your members. And it's just it's just frustrating that they haven't found ways, whether it's through the streaming that Grace and I talked about earlier this week or um, stuff like this to make things happen. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, you know, again, this is just the publicly facing stuff. We don't know what's happening behind the right, scenes. Right. It just looks like equity is turning more into the substitute teacher who says, no, you can't do that, rather than someone who is proactively trying to make things happen. And I mean, on the flip side, if it is like, the, you know, as you said, if it's the city that's doing this and equity's not getting the seat at the table and, you know, as you said, they should be fighting their way into the room anyway. Right. I mean, as Grace and I talked about on last night's show, just think about how much money the arts brings into the city and into New York right. State as a whole – 
Like, you should actively want to be working for the betterment of everybody. And if you're not doing that, then. And I will will say about the NY pop-ups that you mentioned yesterday, um, Mm -hmm. Equity did say that they're happy to report that the state arts program NY pop-ups or pops up. Uh, has taken important steps forward when it comes to pay and safety plans. So they are still um, in a dialogue with those as to how those will work, but um, they seem to at least be a part of that process or at least approving of that process thus far. All right, Ashley, I've got three stories here that I'm going to get through fairly quickly, two of which, though, I would almost never include otherwise, um, but there's interesting reasons why I want to include (laughs) both of them. The first is some random movie from the past, I think, 12 years um, that's going to get turned into a British musical, and normally I just don't care about those unless there's some fun reason, because most of them aren't very good and we never hear about them in the States. But the creative team for this one has got me interested. Yesterday, it was announced that the novel-turned-2009 Rachel McAdams and Eric Bana film, The Time Traveler's Wife, is in development in the UK to become a musical. And while I love Rachel McAdams, I have zero feelings for this movie and or book, mm-hmm. but here is where things get interesting. The score will be by the phenomenal soul singer Joss Stone right. and and one half of the iconic group the Eurythmics, Dave Stewart, which is just so mind-bogglingly perfect. Like, if if I had to think of somebody to step into the shoes of Annie Lennox to work with Dave Stewart, Joss Stone would be up there. Um, so that's this is great, bad, but yeah. that's not all. Recent This Week on Broadway guest Lauren Gunderson is writing the book. Again, as we've talked about multiple times leading up to her appearance on uh, This Week on Broadway, three times in the past four years, she has been America's most produced playwright. Um, So you know she has something that connects to audiences. Uh, Bill Buckhurst is attached to direct, but uh, no other casting or production information, including dates, have been announced. So, Joss, what do you think of a Joss? Did I say Joss? (laughs) I'm Joss, yeah. (laughs) Yes, Joss, what do you think of an Ashley Steve's Dave Stewart score? Excellent. Um, Produce it now. Yes. Ashley, what do you think about a Joss Stone Dave Stewart score? Ear for it. I don't, also don't care about the time travelers, whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, here for it. Always produce Lauren Gunderson work. So get on it and yeah, produce I, me. Produce Ashley Steves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you find some movie musical that you can get the rights to, I'm sure someone will put it up in London. I'll do it. Or do somewhere it. in the UK. Okay, in other news, yesterday, Lincoln Center announced that later this month, as part of their LCT Spotlight series, they will take a look back at the 2000 Best Musical Tony winner, Contact. Participating in the event will be director and choreographer Susan Stroman, writer John Weidman, and original stars Boyd Gaines, Sean Martin Higston, uh, Deborah Yates, and uh, fairly recent um, uh, Broadway radio guest Karen Ziemba. The event will happen on March 25th. Uh, at 7 p.m., which is a Thursday later this month. And finally, in this section, the other thing that I normally don't include, we've seen a ton of theater stars joining various TV projects lately, and I usually don't talk about it because I'm just bitter that they're leaving us for the screen. But this one is actually kind of cool and nostalgic and exciting because yesterday, Deadline reported that former Alphaba and Eclipsed Tony nominee Saikon Singbla will play the matriarch on the Lee Daniels reboot, of the Wonder Years for ABC. 
The show will be set in the 80s and will follow a black middle-class family in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, original Wonder Years star Fred Savage is one of the show's producers as well. Uh, in addition to all of her stuff on stage, she Khan has been a fixture on a lot of TV shows, including having an arc um, on on Scandal, which was, she was really good in as well. Uh, so very excited about that one. I forgot they were rebooting this, but they're rebooting everything. So I should just assume yeah. that <laughs> they're just doing everything. Why not? Yeah, yeah. It's it should just be considered. Uh, um, you know what? Aren't they rebooting? <laughs> Sure, I need to keep a list. All right, let's move into some real quick feel-good recommendations. This one comes from Michael Cordy, who, as you probably know, he's a Broadway YouTuber who does a lot of, like, mashups with really cool people. He's done um, uh, Ham for Bay and Gaga for Rent, where they take, you know, songs from a show and songs from a famous artist and mix them together. This one, speaking of Seikon Singbla, she's not in this, but... This one is hashtag wicked for Whitney. And given all the conversations we've had about Cinderella recently, this one felt um, really, really appropriate. It's tons of fun. I don't know. I don't think I know anybody in this video uh, except for Pia Toscano, who I remember mm, from when mm-hmm. she was on American Idol. Um, but it's really, really good. And, and I highly recommend that. And then um, last and certainly not least, uh, Eva Noblezada will be stopping by the Seth Rudetsky concert series this weekend at 3 and 8 p.m. Oh, Tickets God. are available. So in preparation for that, my friends over at Broadway World did a uh, countdown of nine videos that they can't get enough of of Eva performing, whether that's stuff from them. Miss Saigon or Town or her... Um, uh, miscast performance uh, of Go the Distance, or the, in my opinion, iconic version of Take Me or Leave Me that she did at a Shoshana Bean concert a few years ago. Yes. Also from her 2013 Jimmy Awards performance, um, her Tiny Desk concert with Town. Just some really, really good stuff. And I've checked the records. It's on tape. I've been saying for years that uh, Eva Noblezada is going to be the voice of a Broadway generation. Um, and I do not think I'm wrong about that um, unless she ends up just going, you know, film and TV and leaving us. But I think her voice is truly special. She I think she's a special not. performer. And uh, I'm very, very excited to see this concert on Sunday. Every single video of her performing should have been on that list. It's amazing. She's, she's so exceptional. Good. Yeah, she really is. And a uh, former um, uh, Tony Omnibus episode there we uh, go. guest there as we well. Go. So. There we go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people reach out to you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. No one better damn text me WandaVision spoilers before like 6 o'clock I will (laughs) I will I will cut you Um, anyway uh, have a wonderful weekend everybody (laughs) the great and the good Jennifer Ashley Tepper will be the guest on this week on Broadway and shh today's her birthday Friday's her birthday so if you're going to participate at patreon.com slash broadway radio make sure that you wish her um, as many uh, belated birthday wishes as you can on Sunday have a great weekend everybody and we will be back to talk to you on Monday